you know, growing up, I would hear the words from people who were non-Christians. I went to a school that had 1,500 students, and four of us were churchgoers. And one of them, he only went to church because he was the, the, the pianist at the church. So there was three of us who were actually born again believers. That was it in a church. And so I heard so many times growing up, people talk about church. And this is what they said. Church is boring. Church is boring. Why would I sit through a service and be bored to tears? And then when, when I would hear that, they would hear that my, my father was a church minister. They, they, were, they thought he was like really girly and he was like really camp and, and everything because that's their view of church. It was church was boring. It's got no relevance to my life at, at all. And from a young age, I realized that we needed to create an environment, a church that was not boring. That wasn't boring. Who wants to sit through a church service and be bored? Right? I, I, I don't. And I realized that we needed to do that. And to be bored basically means to have a total lack of interest and to be totally disconnected. And, 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 and I saw that growing up. There were people and my friends in church. We were bored to tears. We were totally disconnected with what was going on. Now these days, people rarely, sometimes, but rarely use the word bored when it comes to church. And in fact, even our church, Generation Church, I don't think, I've never heard, I mean maybe someone has, but I've never heard someone call us boring at all. But today, people aren't saying that church is boring, but what people are saying church is, is that it is just not relevant to their life and it doesn't enhance their life at all. What does it matter if I go to church on a Sunday morning or not? I mean, does it really affect my life that I spend an hour at church service or not? And when I hear this, when I hear people say this, because people are saying it, that's why people aren't going to church, because it's not enhancing their life. And when I hear that, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. You know, I'd rather be a boring church than a church that has nothing to offer to your life. I'd rather us just come in and just have boring services than not be relevant to your life, not enhance your life at all. And this is why we started this church, Generation Church, like two and a half years ago. We started this church for one reason, in order to make people realize that that there is hope within the church of Jesus Christ. That there is something that they can gain from their life. That being part of a church enhances your life. It is relevant for your life. This is why every week we we have teams of of volunteers who set up and and tear down. And and they come in early in the morning and they, they set up and they take up their time. It is why our band, they get here early in the morning and they come and they rehearse and they do sound checks to make sure everything is right in the morning. It's why many weeks, just hours are spent praying over and preparing just talks to give on Sunday morning. It is why our kids workers spend hours just preparing and praying over the lessons that they're going to give to those kids on a Sunday morning. It is because we believe what we do is life-changing. It's life-changing. You know, we have something that is more than relevant to someone's life. We have 
something to give that more than enhances someone's life. What we have to give is life. And life in the full of life abundantly. And you know, I've seen over the last 10 years specifically, just such a move away from people being involved and connected in church. I've seen singles who, who uh, maybe they were, they were high school students, they went off to college, totally disconnected from church. Uh, singles who grew up and they realized that they just weren't connecting with people in the church and they moved away and out of church. Married couples who just got so busy with life. Families who got so busy with everything. Even empty nesters have moved away from church. And, and you know what? Honestly, this morning, it just makes my skin curl. It really does. It, it, I mean, without trying to be like gross this morning, it almost makes me want to throw up. And I believe that we have something that we must do to change that. Something that we must do. We live in an area where people are turning away, to the, away from the church in way more numbers than people are turning to the church. And we need to do something about it. You know, Jesus Christ, that's why we're here today, Jesus Christ. I mean, we come to worship Jesus Christ, to live a life that, 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 uh, uh, that, that, in, um, that, that gives glory to Jesus Christ. Everything that we do is about Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is actually going to come back to this earth again. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know through the, what the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is going to come back again. And the Bible tells us that He is going to come back for what is called His bride. His bride. And, and at the moment, Jesus Christ in heaven, where, wherever heaven is, I'm not sure where heaven is, but where Jesus is right now, he is preparing what is called a marriage ceremony that will join himself and his bride together. And we don't know when that's going to happen, but it's going to happen sometime in the future. And in fact, this marriage ceremony is going to be the greatest ceremony of all. It's going to be a ceremony where the whole universe will watch and be amazed. It will be bigger, it will be better, and it will be more glorious than any royal wedding that has ever taken place. Any celebrity wedding, you know, I mean, what was it, Tom and and Kate, their wedding in uh, in, uh, in, in years ago. They said it was like the most glorious wedding. It's going to be more glorious than that. Than, 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 than Prince William and, and, and Kate when they got married in England a few years ago. And it's going to be more glorious than that. It's going to be the most glorious, wonderful wedding that you have ever seen, ever been part of. And the Bible actually talks about this wedding. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And this is what it says in verse 6. Revelation chapter 19. It's written by a guy called John who's had this vision from God about things that will happen in the future. And he said, Then I heard again what sounded like a shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord God, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. 
just to define that this morning, because that may seem a little weird, that there's a, a wedding feast and, and, and there's a lamb, and it's not that the lamb's going to get eaten at the wedding feast. The lamb is the one getting married, and the lamb is defined as Jesus Christ. So it's the wedding feast of Jesus Christ, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, this, uh, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he, uh, and he added, these are the true words that come from God. So Jesus Christ is the group. Jesus Christ is the one who is preparing this wedding ceremony and he is the one who will get married. So the question is this morning, who is the bride? Who is the bride? Now, contrary to the Da Vinci Code, if you've ever read the Da Vinci Code, it's not Mary Magdalene, just to let you know that. But in fact, we, we get some insight in, Gale- in, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter 5 about who this bride is. And, and, and it tells us all through Revelation, but it really gives us a good idea in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 who this bride is. It says there, For husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. In in the same way, then it says... uh, without any spot or blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So here, we got Jesus Christ. He has somebody who he loves. And the Bible tells us it is the church of Jesus Christ. And what we can see through Revelation, there's plenty of references where the church of Jesus Christ is described as the bride of Christ. And then there's one day, When all those who are part of the church of Jesus Christ will one day be part of the most glorious wedding ceremony that this universe has ever seen. That everybody will be in awe. And so that means if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And if you're part of the church of Jesus Christ, then you are the bride of Christ. Now, for you guys this morning, you know, you have to get past the fact that we're now a bride. But it's okay. We're not wearing dresses or anything like that. Don't worry. But that's what the Bible tells us, that we are the bride of Christ. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he he gave a command to his disciples. And he he spoke specifically to one disciple, but he was speaking to, to all the disciples that would come after him. He spoke to Peter. And he said to Peter, he said that through us, Through us humans, he would build his church. He would build his bride. And he told us that it would be our responsibility as the church, as bride of Christ, to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Now, I remember when I got married. I got married in 2005, and I lived in the United Kingdom. And my fiance at the time, Raquel, lived in Springfield, Missouri. And she uh, had lots of friends in Springfield, Missouri, and they had, many of them had never met me at all. 
And I remember when I moved over, I moved over a month before we got married. We had like this 15-month long-distance relationship. And when I started to meet her friends, all her friends would like come to me and say, man, you're just the most awesome guy ever. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And then they would say, oh, we've just heard so many great things about you. It's like, you you are just like the best person ever. And I was like, well, why are they even saying this? These people don't even know me. Well, I realized that Raquel had gone before me. And obviously, this was before she, we got married and before we lived together. And she, I don't know if she was saying the same things now. But she was saying all these wonderful things about me. Everybody she met, she couldn't help but tell them about her fiancé, about how wonderful he was. And I don't know if you remember, some of you ladies, when you were going to get married, you probably did the same about your fiancé. You probably told them about all the, what everybody, about all the wonderful things that, 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 that is about their fiance. Uh, and, and I, I don't know if you've got friends, maybe they're, they're going to get married and, uh, or, or you've met people and they're going to get married. It's like they, they just annoy you because all they talk about is their wedding and all they talk about is how great the person that they are marrying is. They want to tell everybody about how great that person is. And you know what? As a church, there's a day that we are going to be married to Jesus Christ. And in the same way as a, bro- as a bride-to-be tells everybody, it's so excited about that wedding. It's so excited about who they are going to marry. In the same way, if we are the bride of Christ, then are we talking about our groom, Jesus Christ? Are we talking about him? Are we giving a good impression of Jesus? When people meet Jesus, are they saying, wow, I've heard so much about you. Like a bride would do about her groom. You know, one thing I've discovered about the Christian life, and this is where this gets hard. If there aren't many people at this wedding supper, at this wedding ceremony that's going to take place in the book of Revelation, it's not because of Jesus Christ. It's going to be because of us, the church of Jesus Christ. And you've got friends and you've got family and, and you know people that you meet every day and they do not know Jesus Christ in their life. And, and it is up to us as a church to tell them about Jesus Christ. In fact, I, I'm a big believer that it is through the attractiveness of the bride that people will come to Christ. I believe this through the attractiveness of the bride that people will come to Christ. And you know, just like the girl who is just, I mean, just smoking hot. You know, that that one girl, wherever she goes, everybody turns their heads. Guys and girls, you know, young people, old people, they just turn their heads because of this girl's beauty. That is the type of bride that Christ is coming for. He's not coming for an ugly bride this morning. Let me tell you that. Christ is not coming for an ugly bride. And I'll be very honest with you. There are plenty of churches out there. There are good churches. There are wonderful churches out there. But there are many churches out there. And I've been part of a few that are just plain old ugly. Ugly. Things that go on in that church. Things that they do is just plain old 
ugly. And I tell you, Christ is not coming back for an ugly bride. But he's coming back for an attractive, stunning bride that lights up the room when she walks in. That lights up the room when she walks in. You are the church. That means you are the bride of Christ. Then does your life light up a room when you walk in? Do you light up a room when you walk in? When people see you, when your friends see you, are you that kind of person? You can be someone who's out there and very, uh, 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 very uh, just charismatic, or you can be very quiet and shy. But when you walk in a room, does that room light up when you walk in? When people see us as a church, you know, this morning, there's a ton of movies going on. I think it's like Iron Man 3. And people were coming in. I think the first movie was like 9 o'clock this morning. And people were coming in and they were seeing, like, what's going on here? You know, they see our banners, the bands rehearsing. And they, 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 they see us as a church that we meet here. When people see us as a church, when, when, when they walk into our services, when, when they meet us as people, are their heads turning? Are we so beautiful that their heads are turning? That, that there may be everything else going on, but we walk past or we come into their life and they're just like, whoa, what is that? Are we so beautiful? Are we so attractive to others? Are we the most attractive people that they will ever meet? Your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. Are we the most attractive people that they will meet? I'm not talking about physically attractive. Even though we've got some pretty good looking people here. Just saying. But not physical attraction. I mean, when they, when they see us, are they attracted to us as human beings? As people who have the life of Christ within us? Are they the most attractive people that they will meet? Because that is the bride, that is the church that Jesus Christ is coming back for. You know, in Revelation chapter 19, it says there in verse 7, It said that there was this chorus in heaven. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to to him, to God. For the time has come for the wedding feast of Jesus Christ. And then it says this, and his bride has prepared herself. And his bride has prepared herself. Notice this for the moment. The bride has a role to play in this whole ceremony. In this whole thing that we have life, the church has a role to play. The church has preparation to do. Now imagine for a a moment, if if you went to a wedding, and you'd been looking forward to this wedding, the invites had gone out, you'd heard all the great things about about the wedding, and you went to this wedding, and, and the bride had just not bothered to prepare herself. Imagine if the bride had just got up, she bothered, didn't bother to shower. She didn't bother to do her hair. She didn't bother to put any makeup on. She just put some jeans on. Or even worse, she put some sweatpants on. And she put like a t-shirt on. And she walks into the building. And, and she couldn't care about the time. And she walks in 30 minutes late. Didn't bother about other people at all. And she just walked in and she just didn't care at all. What, what would you think about Bright? 
what would you think of, of that person? You probably wouldn't think very much. You wouldn't be impressed at all. In fact, you may be a little annoyed. Uh, I know uh, that our wedding, my wife had uh, an issue with her hair. And like, I didn't care. I just wanted her there on time. And we got married at 10 in the morning, which was, you know, pretty early for a wedding. And at 5 to 10, I get a phone call. And uh, uh, my, my uh, brother-in-law-to-be passed me the phone and says, it's Raquel. And I'm there, and I'm thinking, oh, no. I've just given up my whole life. I've moved like 3,000 miles across the world, and now she's calling off the wedding. I mean, when, if you're not married, don't call your bride-to-be five minutes before the ceremony. Just don't do it. So... I get this phone call, and she's like, hi, honey, just want to let you know we had an issue at the hairdressers, at the, and I'm going to be about 30 minutes late. I'm like, you what? 30 minutes? I'm like, I can take 10, I can take 15, but 30 minutes late. Well, 45 minutes later, I enrolled Miss Raquel, and she walks in, and, you know, things happen. But, you know, you could just see people just sitting there, just like, you know, the non-Latin people, because the Latin people were just used to it. I'm serious. But the non-Latin people, they were just like, like looking at their watches. What's going on? I mean, it really didn't give a good impression. And I joked with her all about it, how she was just late for, for our wedding. But just imagine if she had turned up, not even dressed, you know, not even prepared at all, didn't even know what was going on. It would have left a bad taste in their, everybody's mouth who was there. And this, and this is what people would have thought. They would have been like, who is this guy marrying? Who is this person that this guy is marrying? Who marries someone who doesn't even prepare themselves for the wedding day? They, they, they would have thought this. They, they, they would have thought, you know, I mean, if, if she can't even get ready for a wedding day, then what sort of wife is she going to make? The same for the groom. If the groom hadn't prepared themselves and turned up late and done whatever they wanted, they'd have been like, who is this person marrying? But you know this morning, and this is very hard, and, and I'm as guilty as anybody, and this is talking to me this morning, but we sometimes have that same attitude. When it comes to the life in the church, when it comes to church, we sometimes don't prepare ourselves. So often we sit on the sidelines, and I've been there and I've done it, and we just don't bother getting involved. We let other people do the work. We think sometimes it's just okay just to turn up whenever we want, and I've been there. I spent four years of my life, and I got to church 15 minutes late every single Sunday because my mother bothered to get there on time because she didn't like the music. And instead of saying to my mom, no, we've got to be there, I'm like, sure, okay, I can do 15 minutes late, I'm good. But sometimes we think it's okay. Sometimes volunteers, you know, I've been in churches where they just don't show up. Or they, they, they don't want to help and they let everybody know that they don't want to help. You know, we sometimes talk about church like it's a bother. Like it's, ah, oh, i got to go to church. And you know what that's doing? To people who, visitors who may come into the service, people who you meet every day. It's given in a totally unattractive vibe about the church. It's telling the church, we don't really care. We don't really need to prepare. It's fine. But the reality is, is there is a wedding ceremony coming. 
And we are involved in that wedding ceremony. And if we are not preparing week in, week out to meet with our Savior and our Lord, and the vibe that it gives off is totally unattractive. You know, every week when we come into this place, we come and we worship God. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, I am in the midst of them. Every single week we come into this place, Jesus Christ is here. Sometimes you may feel it more than others, but he is here. And when you walk into these services, you are walking to come and meet with your Savior and your Lord. He is your groom this morning. And if, and if we're not prepared to meet him, then what does that tell us about him? You know, the problem with this, it not only looks bad on us, looks not only bad on us individually or us as a church, but when people meet Jesus and then they meet us or they meet a church that is just ugly, this is what they think. Jesus is wanting to marry a stinky bride. And the reality is, who, what guy marries a stinky girl? I mean, come on. What guy marries a stinky girl? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was out in California, and I met a guy. His name was Kenny. He was, uh, he was like this media kind of uh, marketing guru. I mean, he was just like, I mean, I got his business card, and he had his face on it. I felt, felt like bad putting my wallet because it looked like he was like my lover or something, you know, when you put a picture in. I mean, he was just, like, he was just this marketing guru. And he actually goes to this church called Liquid Church up in New Jersey. And this church is about 10 years old, and for the last five years, they've, they've really uh, like formed together as a church. The first five years was like Bible studies and things. They have four campuses, um, uh, and they meet all different parts in New Jersey. They don't have a building because they decided they didn't want a building. They just want to be portable. And their main campus uh, meets at the Hyatt Regency in Morris, uh, I think it's Morristown, something like that, in New Jersey. And we were just talking about church, and he told me this. I, says, I said, wow, four campuses, all portable, that's pretty tough. I was like, how many volunteers do you need for that? And he told me some number, which was like, oh, my word. Then he told me this. He said, at our main campus, he said, every Sunday morning, our volunteers get there at 4.30 in the morning. 4.30 in the morning. He says, sometimes, he says, some of the volunteers will pay for a hotel, uh, for a hotel room at the, at the Hyatt so that they can be there on time in that morning. And you know what? The first thought that should have come through my mind was this. Wow, I'm glad we're not them. That should have been the first thought because, trust me, I do not want to be somewhere at 4.30 in the morning. I want to be in my bed sleeping at 4.30 in the morning. But do you know what? Actually, the first thought in my head was, was wow. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. I want to be a part of a place where people are willing to get up at 4.30 in the morning to worship Jesus. I want to be at a place where people are willing to spend their own money to buy a hotel room so that they get there on time so they're not late to serve and set up for church. That was my immediate thought. Do you know why? Because there is something attractive about people who are willing to make that kind of sacrifice. And you know what? This is the type of church that I believe Jesus wants for us here at Generation Church. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to get up at 4.30 in the morning. 
But I believe that Jesus wants us to be a church where people are excited about being in church. Because there is nothing more exciting than meeting and and speaking and worshipping your creator. There is nothing in this world that will beat meeting and experiencing Jesus Christ. A couple of weeks ago, I I was in a a worship venue and we were worshipping God. And I'll be honest, after about four worship songs, I'm only done. I'm like, okay, let's move on. But we were there for like, an hour, hour and a half, and I just, we just met God. God came down in that service, and I just wanted to continue all night long because there's nothing more exciting than meeting Jesus Christ. And when you experience him, it is exciting. I want a church where people are excited to get up on a Sunday morning and prepare a theater like this for a service because they know that people in that environment are going to meet Jesus. I want to be part of a church where where people are excited to to volunteer in the kids area and give time to the kids area because they know they are preparing the kids for the choices that they have to make in life. I want to be part of a church where people are excited to, to greet others as others walk in because they know they are preparing hearts with a warm and a welcoming atmosphere. I want to be part of a church where, where people are excited to, to commit to be part of a small group as, as, we, as we come together and we prepare our own lives that please God. I want to be excited to, to meet new people as we prepare to reach them for Christ. And as the bride of Christ in Revelation had to prepare herself, are you preparing yourself for Jesus Christ? Preparing. Very quickly this morning. There's another thing though. It's not just about preparing. There's another thing. It's all about the wedding dress. When you go to a wedding, the first thing I bet you want to know is what is the, what, what is the bride's wedding dress look like? You go and sit down and when the bride comes in, everybody stands and turns to see the bride in her wedding dress. Well, listen to this. This is what Revelation 19 says. It says, After the bride has prepared herself, verse 8, she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Notice that there is a dress that the church is going to wear. So guys, I lied. There's a dress that we've got to wear. The Bible tells us that this is made up of the fine, pure white linen. And the Bible tells us that this linen, this dress is created by the good works, the deeds that the church, God's people do week in and week out. You know, every time we do an outreach, every time we serve in our community, every time we give a coat to a homeless person who is cold, every time we mulch a high school no matter how much mulch there was. Every time we build a house for Habitat for Humanity that we'll be doing in May. Every time we put on a movie night for the Boys and Girls Club. Every time we sponsor a child. Every time we give our change for a water well. Every time we give Thanksgiving meals to families in need. Every time we buy movie tickets 
for kids who have never been to the movies. Or every time we provide backpacks for kids going back to school. Or we paint a neighbor's fence. Or we do grocery shopping for the elderly down the street. Every time we take 10 minutes to actually listen to someone. Instead of wondering if someone's liking our post on Facebook. Every time we visit someone in hospital, every time we take meals to someone who can't prepare meals for themselves, do you know what we're doing? We are creating the most magnificent wedding dress ever made. Because it's by the good deeds that you do that this dress is being made. When you reach out to those in need, when you reach out to those who are away from Christ, when you reach out to those who are hurting, when you reach out to others in the church, when you touch them, you are creating the finest pure white linen known to man. In fact, Jesus said this, something along these lines uh, when he gave a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It was in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, and Jesus said this, he says, you, talking to, to to, to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? How can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on the hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights the lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And then listen to this. It says, in the same way, let your good deeds Shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. When you do those good deeds, when you do those good works, when we as a church come together and we reach out to, to, to people, whether it's two, whether, whether it's a group of 10 or 20 of us, when we do that, we are shining the light of Christ. It's through shining the light of Christ that everyone will know. We belong to our Heavenly Father. So let us as a church never, ever stop doing good deeds. What sort of bride is called boring? One that does not prepare herself. One that does not deeds. What sort of bride is called irrelevant? What sort of church is called irrelevant? One that does not have the good news of Jesus to share. And I tell you this morning, we are not boring and we are not irrelevant. But I have to ask this question. Then why is a community around us still turning away from God and not turning to God? And I wonder, is it because we're not turning their heads? Is it because we're not turning their heads? You can have a car and it can have the best engine in the world. It can do some amazing things. But if it looks like a wreck on the outside, no one's going to want to buy it. And if we as a church, if we are not attractive to the world around us, then nobody's going to want to know what we're all about. Generation Church was created and exists today to make the bride of Christ beautiful once again. Like I said, there's many good churches out there, but there's a lot of churches that are making the bride of Christ ugly. And I do not want to be part of a church like that. I want to be part of a church that is making the bride of Christ beautiful once again to show the world 
Christ has a head turned bride. That smoking hot girl that everyone notices. That's what Christ wants for the church. He wants a church that walks into a room and it lights up because they've got the lights of Christ within them. And you may ask today, so what? How does this revolve around me? I mean, why does this make my life better? How is it relevant to me? I tell you, this is how. A boring, irrelevant church is a dead church. And when there are dead churches, then there are dead people. A church that is slack is smelly. And when there are smelly churches, people are put off and people run the other way. When there is a church that isn't clothed in good deeds, then it is a poor, poor church. And people want nothing to do with a poor, poor church. It means that if you have that dead church, then for those of you who've got kids, your kids are going to grow up hating church. I've got plenty of friends who grew up and they hate church. And do you know where they are right now? They are nowhere to be seen. They are not living a life that is honoring God. They are well away from God and they are raising kids. And and they're raising kids who have have nothing to do with God at all. When your kids hate church, they're going to grow up hating the one it's all about. You know what they're going to do? They're going to look for something that's more attractive. And you just have to turn on the TV and realize there's a world out there that is full of attractiveness. You have to know that there are so many things that are pulling your kids in. And if we do not create a church that is vibrant and alive and attractive, then your kids are just going to walk away. They may be with you when you're in middle school or with high school, but I tell you, when, you, when they go to college, they will be gone. It means with a dead church, your marriages can't be supported. You're on your own, and you'll find that your marriage will go through darkness. Your hope for tomorrow will be lost in the darkness. Your friends and your neighbors who you know will start to lose sight of what truth is, and they'll be lost in the darkness. Your employer or your business will be lost in the darkness. And you'll find yourself overcome by the darkness. Trust me, the darkness is not where you want to be. You want to be in the light. And it is through the church that the light of Christ shines. And so this morning, I want to I appeal to you this morning as a church. Come on, Generation Church. Let us be the people who shine the light the brightest so that one day we will stand in heaven and we will know that there is this one and this one and this one and this one who is in heaven watching the marriage supper of the Lamb because we shine our light the brightest. Let us not be dumbed down and try to just do church or every week just, oh, we got to go to church. But no, let us shine the light of Christ as much as we can. Let us be attractive and excited and be vibrant so that this world will know that there is a Jesus Christ who is alive and he loves them so much. That is what we are trying to do as a church. That is what we are trying to do as a church. And I'm sorry if I get a little passionate about it. But all I know is that God has called me, 
not to sit on the sidelines. But God has called me to reach a world out there. And I know that God has called you to reach a world out there who is lying in darkness. They are living in darkness. And they need the light. And we have what it takes to show them the light. Let's pray. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. I want you to look deep into your heart this morning. Deep into your heart. And want to ask yourself, am I preparing the bride as Christ would have me do? I know a few months ago, God just challenged me. I would get here on a Sunday morning at 8.45 and we'd be rushing around trying to get things ready for the service. And I remember God just challenged me and, and I made it a point that I needed to get here just earlier just so things wouldn't be as hectic so we could prepare. And I want to ask yourself just in your life, in your everyday life, are you preparing yourself to be presented to Christ? Are you preparing yourself to meet Christ? In the things that you do in this church, are you preparing this church to meet Christ? And secondly, this morning, I want you to look into your heart and ask yourself, am I shining the light of Christ as I should? Are the things that I do being a light that shines. And I'll be honest, there's some months, we always try to do an outreach each month, and there's some months where I'm just like, oh, let's just forget it. It's too much work. It's too hard. But then I realize it's through those good deeds that we are shining the light of Christ. So this morning, I want you to just challenge your heart. Look deep inside your heart and ask, am I shining the light of Christ? know God's got a great future for this church because God has planned great things and we will be a church that will shine bright and God wants to use you to be part of that so I'm going to pray and once I pray the band are going to lead us into one final song of worship and as we do that this morning Just look deep inside your heart and say, God, whatever you need to do in me, do it in me. Open yourself up to God, whatever it may be this morning. So, Father, this morning, God, I thank you. I thank you that you use people like us, broken, hurting, sinful, people, Who sometimes this world just leaves on the on the scrap heap. But you see something in us that is beautiful. And this morning, God, we look past our faults, we look past our failures, and we thank you that you see something beautiful in us. And God, we thank you that you want to use us to reach this world. We thank you this morning that, that you are preparing a time when we will be joined together 
and you've called us your glorious bride. So this morning, God, we want to honor you. We want to be a church that prepares for you. We want to be a church, God, that shines our light through the things that we do great for you. So that one day, God, that we will be in heaven and we'll be part of this marriage supper, this marriage ceremony. And we will look on in wonder and awe and we'll be so thankful for the things that not only you did in our lives, but the things that you did in our neighbors and our families and our kids and our parents. And we will know, God, it's because we allowed ourselves to be used of you. So this morning, God, we just thank you for all the things you've done to us and for us. Thank you that you see in us more than what we see in ourselves. Thank you, God, that you've chosen us for greater things. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Let's stand this morning.